everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela. And I'm Lori. And today we are going to chat about our favorite thing to do as resellers. Any guesses, Daniela? Well, it's obviously sourcing. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That was an easy one. Today we are going to share with you all of our best brands to source, our Bolo brands, brands we are no longer picking up, and what our strategies are to find these items. We're basically combining Take It or Leave It and Season 1's Episodes 2 and 3, which are called Behind the Sourcing Curtain, and putting it all together in one episode. Fun. All right. All right, let's get to it. See you at the table, friends. Hello, Lori. Hey, girl. We've got got to get this done fast today because... If you don't know, Meghan Markle and, and Prince Harry are going to be on Oprah tonight at 8 p.m. and we need to watch it. <laughs> yes. So this is going to be like a speed episode. No, no, no. We decided we we usually record around like 8.30 and we yeah. decided tonight we had to go early, but we kind of decided last minute. We're like, we okay, you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's so here we are, but this is a fun one. Yeah, it is fun. And I like that we are recapping... Um, earlier episodes because for whatever reason episode two and three are like our top ones behind the sourcing curtain is one of our top um episodes for season one which is great and I think it's because it's something that we all enjoy doing right as a reseller you love sourcing and we were we were new on the scene Brand and new. it's kind of an intriguing title isn't it it is it is behind the sourcing curtain Ooh, what are they gonna say <laughs> right yeah. Right. So during those episodes, if you guys haven't listened to it, well, we obviously highly suggest you do listen to them. Um, but mm-hmm. we talk about um, different brands that at that moment in time that we were picking up or that we weren't picking up or different styles, different um, fabric content, uh, our strategies behind sourcing. And let me tell you, it has changed dramatically for me. And I'm sure it's changed for you too, Lori, over the last year. I feel like it changes from month to month, Daniela, honestly, it's just always changing. Sometimes I look at things I've purchased and I'm like, what the hell were you thinking? Or, or I regret passing on things now, you know, it's just, it's, there's just so much information to process all the time. And in so many things that are changing and your clientele changes and grows and evolves. And so, yeah, that's what makes this so much fun. I also think that never a dull moment with sourcing. So true. And I also think coming off of Thriftless February for us too, it puts you in a different mindset when it comes to sourcing. And Lori and I were talking about this before we started recording. Um, like we don't want to make the same mistakes. Like we just spend an entire month dealing with things and Lori, you're still doing your inventory, right? And you're finding more mm-hmm. and more items that just you're like, why do I still have this? What am I going to do with it? I don't want to sell it. I don't want to keep it anymore. It just puts you in a different mindset where you're like, okay, you need to put more intention behind what it is that you're getting. And you need to make sure that it's worth your time that you're putting into everything and the energy and the steaming and, you know, the shipping, like all of that is time. So yeah. trying to find that sweet spot of like, finding things you really love, still enjoying the process of sourcing because it is fun, right? It is. Otherwise we wouldn't do what we're doing. Exactly. And, And to say that things have changed it's not even to say that what we were doing a year ago was wrong because we're always trying to do what is right for our business Mm -hmm. at the time. And I say a lot, like even when I'm doing thrift with me videos and, you know, I'm kind of 
doing a voiceover, sometimes I'm passing on stuff and I'm only passing on it because I have four of it in my closet Mm -hmm. or because I've had something listed for a year and it's not working for me. So it's, it, I even feel like I have to, um, you know, preface certain decisions with that. Like, well, I'm passing on this American Eagle sweater because it was a great seller for me in 2019, but now I kind of went a little crazy because they were selling well. I have three in my closet now and they're not moving. So I am not picking them up right now. You know, so it's, but, but if I'm a new seller or if I'm just starting my closet, I might want a couple American Eagle sweaters in my closet. So Mm -hmm. I was, you know, I was, I was talking today, I did a video on, um, how I sort through free inventory. Yeah. Friend gave me a box and I just kind of opened it up. And, and, you know, I said, there are just so many things that swirl around my head with each decision I make when it comes to sourcing and that, that will be forever. I mean, I guess that we're going to talk about some bolos that are like, oh, obviously, you know, but um, yeah, there, there's a lot to consider and what, just what you said, the time with everything as I'm going through my inventory, like I'm using the QR system and some things I'm looking at, I'm like, do I even want to take the three seconds it's going to take to take a picture of this item and keep it in this bin? I mean, or that's do a I good question though. Yeah. I think that's a good question to have because I think as you evolve in any job, any profession, right? It doesn't have to be reselling. You're constantly improving your processes. You're constantly improving all the things that you work on a daily basis. How can you streamline it in a way that makes sense so that you're not mm-hmm. spending so much time on things? That's what the QR system is doing for you, Lori. It's making you realize like, okay, is it really worth this extra step to, to have this item that I found that was $2 because it was on sale. Like, is it really worth it? Or is it going to sit in here for a long time? Because I've noticed this brand sits for six months for me. So do I really want to put this in my QR system? Like, I think that's a good exactly. Yeah. And I found like, I found a pair of Lululemon cropped leggings in a size 12, which is like golden to find right. that size right. that was unlisted. Um, yeah, like, so it's been very eye opening to me. And then there are those sad things that I look at and I'm like, you are so adorable. Why haven't you sold yet? And then you, there's sometimes there's just no rhyme or reason. And you know, I keep things in my inventory for way too long. And I have had those items that, yes, (laughs) that's my record. Um, but yeah, there are those items so that they'll sit for that long and then they'll sell for full price. And then there are things that I feel like are just never going to sell. I feel like some things sell eventually, but I don't know. There's, there's just a lot to consider. And like you said, I, I, um, I did have my like little binge weekend with my 50% off coupon at savers, but now, you know, today is March 7th and I haven't, I haven't thrifted all week. Like the last day I went thrifting was Sunday of last week. I didn't thrift all week this week because I'm knee deep in this inventory craziness. And I just have to really be more thoughtful, always more thoughtful. I'm always going to be a person who buys more than I should. Cause that's my, I mean, that's, that's just who I am. That's just being Italian in general. Maybe, maybe it stems <laughs> from that. <laughs> yes. Buy from too much like, food, no. buy too much, everything, everything needs to be in a surplus. You always make too much. I mean, that's just yeah. how, don't you just laugh at people who like cook half of a box of spaghetti or rigatoni? How do you cook like, half of a box? Who makes half a box? The whole thing <laughs> in, and then you may need more. So you got to use half oh. of the box because you don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. You go to my mother-in-law, she's got like, you know, four pounds rigatoni open, ready to go. But anyways, yes, exactly. True. So, um, it is interesting. And, and I think it'll be fun to kind of discuss today where yeah. we're headed. Yeah. I think even thinking back to last year, 
for me personally, I wasn't really, um, I was fairly new to read, not that I was brand new to reselling, but I was new enough for like, I was still getting my feet wet and understanding what sourcing really meant for me and what really worked for my business and like diving into data and like really understanding all of that. Like I was in the beginning stages, um, when those episodes Mm -hmm. launched and, um, luxury has become a big part of my business which wasn't even on my radar Mm. really back when those episodes aired. And if you were to ask me today, like, you know, what's the number one thing that you're always looking for in the thrift store. And for me, yes, I'm, you know, I'm obviously looking for those brands that are going to sell really fast. If I sell them on Poshmark, like uh, birdies, right. Rothy's teaks, all these different things that everyone always talks about. Yeah, of course. Obviously I'm going to pick those items up, but my main goal when, when I'm in there and it's because the real world, I want it to become such a big part of my business is I'm looking for those pieces that I can send into the real rail and not process and not do anything with. I just box them up and off they go. That is like the number one biggest thing that's changed me when it comes to sourcing is my motto has changed. And I want to do is the least amount of work as possible, but have the highest return that I can. Right. Like, yeah, why not? Sounds counterintuitive sometimes. Like, what do you mean? I don't want to put as much work in. Well, no, like there are ways to make money in reselling that don't require a ton of work from you. And given that I have a part, I have a full-time job, right? I can't always dedicate a ton of time to it. So the more ways that I can find to make extra streams of income, because I think that's just the name of the game in 2021 and beyond is how can you create more streams of income um, for yourself and your family? That's, you know, to to help supplement all the different things you'd like to do in life. Um, and that's one of them. Yep. For me, it's just focusing more on understanding certain platforms where I can send items in and I'm not doing any work. Does that mean that I'll go into ThreadUp? ThreadUp for me is like a dumping ground. I have never looked at ThreadUp mm. as a way to like make money. It's a way for me to make an extra $50, $60 every couple of months. And I either reinvest it back and I buy inventory that I'd like to sell myself or I just cash it out and it is what it is. It's 50 bucks that I can get gas and a couple coffees or something. You know what I mean? Like that's the way I look at right up. Um, but yeah, I think that's like the number one thing that just sticks out to me when it comes. I to- really feel like your sourcing has evolved and I, I have seen your confidence grow this year. Mm-hmm. And just like, it, as far as like, just knowing who you are as a reseller mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of having your process in place and, the real real has become such a niche for you and you've been some you've been a resource for so many people in our community and it's great and I I think it's it's nice it's nice that you've kind of found your way and we're all trying to do that you know and I I I guess I would consider myself more broad-based I'm kind of a little bit all over the place but um but you've niched I know that you've niched a little yeah I how? I don't know. Tell me. I feel like, <laughs> what if I it? No, but, but like, I feel like last year, right. At the, when we recorded those episodes, you were, you were everywhere. Like you would pick anything up, right? Like you didn't really necessarily pay attention to brand. You were picking up based off of style, which you still do, but I feel like you're a little more particular about what it is that you're putting into your closet. Like if you, if you, I am, I am. Items, you're I think right now when I source like this time last year, I think my average selling price was around $28. And this year it's about $38. Right. So- and so when I buy things, you know, like I, I would be lying if I said at the 50% off sale, I didn't pick up, like I picked up a tie dye banana Republic sweatshirt and it was like, that's, tacky when, you tie-dye. that's when you, huh? do that's when you do that. 
Right, but it's it, it's sold. It sold for twenty bucks and sold in a week, and I paid three for it. So like I, that was a little bit of a risk. Like that's that's against my better judgment sometimes because I knew it wasn't going to be a thirty plus sale, but I felt like it was going to be a fast flip, and it was. And then you know, like I bought a vintage Notori uh, nightgown, like a set, and then I decided to list them separately. I was going to list them as a set together for fifty. And I listed them for 60 and 40 separately vintage. I only paid $5 for the set. And then like today, the robe sold for $50 for $45, but like I'm paying closer attention to vintage for sure. Um, still buying off style, but not so much. I think for me though, it's a big quantity thing. Like I just have enough of a yeah. lot of stuff. Yeah. So, which is so funny because yeah, I, I don't know. Last year I had what? 250 items maybe, you know, in my closet that I was selling and I was pretty steady between like 250 and 350. I mean, present day I'm at like yep, 460 right now, but I was at 5 600 plus for a really really long period of time. And I I mean, I think everyone goes through these phases in reselling and I realize that that's too much for me. Just like you realize where you are is just right for your business, maybe even take a little bit too, away. Yeah, 1300 is where I'm at right now and it's it's too much. I mean, I, I kept saying I wouldn't go over 1200, but now as I'm, as I did thriftless February and just got all the unlisted stuff listed now it's like at 320 or something like 1320. So that that's too much, but I have the space for it now. And I've bought the bins and everything. And I just, it's, it's going to be a constant. It's always an effort for me. It's the same with my house to like reduce clutter, mm-hmm. to get rid of excess. It's just not who I am, but anyways, working on it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's kind of the evolution of being a reseller and understanding your sourcing too. So for me, I'm mm-hmm. getting rid of whatever I can, <laughs> you know, whether it's sending it to the real real or now I'm using flip, which I don't have anything to really report on that yet. Once I see some payouts, I'll be able to report on it, but I'm sending some things in using flip, which is a new app that's out there. And as a reseller, you can create these lots and other resellers come in and sell them for you. Or if you are a reseller and you can't find inventory in your area and you're looking for inventory, or maybe you don't feel safe going out and um, buying inventory, this is a great way for you to get boxes delivered to your door and you can process the items and you make a commission on it. So it's a great platform. I think it's data for the most part, but I think it's great. I think the concept is awesome. Um, But this is my other way now to get inventory out of here, especially because ThreadUp is not giving out any bags or labels right now as they're going public. They're in the process of going public. So they're working on all their things on the back end, right? To make things work for them. And I think they just have so much stuff that they need to get through mostly because I think they're going to revamp everything. So they need to just clear out whatever it is that they have and start fresh kind of thing, which is right. Business needs to go through that. So, So, I mean, think of the people like we, oh, sorry to interrupt you. I was going to say, think of our friends who, who's, business model source of income was thread up mm-hmm. and how they've had to change. I mean, you and I were never that invested in no. thread up, but I mean, I, I do think for any of us, like things could change with the real, real tomorrow things could. And I also think that's why it's kind of cool and smart to try to have a couple platforms going, but also not to overwhelm yourself. Like my clubhouse group that I run every Friday, the over yeah. 40 resellers, we talked about, you know, when, what, what is the difference between you know, dipping your toes into trends and then like chasing trends, like 
is there a difference between trying something new and then just kind of chasing trends all the time? Because you can drive yourself crazy trying to, you know, like we've talked about like Y2K and 90s, like how much are we going to get of that? Like I, I used cottage core as an example. Um, nobody's really talking about cottage core right now. I mean, I believe it's still something, but it's all everybody was talking about. And we did it in like our fall trends video. We did. So, and it's only been, it hasn't even been six months, right? And people are already kind of, I mean, you can still use it as a keyword. I'm sure people are still searching it. But if I had gone out and bought 37 cottage core items, right. I would be sitting on them right now. So like when, where do you draw the line and how do you make that decision? That was our conversation on Friday. And we kind of parlayed that into even all these different selling platforms. When, when are you just spreading yourself too thin? Like I signed up for Amazon and I'm very overwhelmed by it. Like I paid the $40 and I'm trying to get ungated in groceries right now. And I joined a Bolo group, but like, it is so much for me to process right now. It probably wasn't the best month to do it in the middle of thriftless February and inventory. Like I probably should have waited two months, but it is what it is. But like, I feel like I'm already starting to spread myself too thin. So is, is, is it realistic to say, well, I'm going to list on seven platforms or whatever, you know, and it's, it's really, and we are always evolving and trying to find out what works for us as far as sourcing goes. Now that I'm finally um, listing on eBay all the time, I'm sourcing a little differently things that I wouldn't pick up for Poshmark. I'm picking up knowing that I might've better luck with it on eBay, but that all comes with time and experience, what you need to know it, to know what works. Yeah. I think in general, like if you're a new reseller and you're listening, first of all, hi, and thank you for listening to our podcast. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. Um, But you will learn all these things as you go. And everyone's journey is so different. Like my journey and Lori's journey, even though we live in very similar areas, we're not far from one another, are very different. Lori's full-time. I'm not full-time. Lori's a mom. I'm not a mom yet. Like there's so many factors that go into it. Lori likes selling certain brands that I just don't ever pick up. And then there are times where I look at something, I'm like, you know what? Lori would pick this up. Let me try it. It's really nice. And she's done the same thing. You know, this is something that Danielle would pick Mm -hmm. up. I mean, it, it, this is just what happens when you're reselling, you, you, you are a part of the community, you see what other people do and you want to try it. And I think there's nothing wrong with trying something like there's nothing wrong with venturing into a platform and, and sourcing maybe a few items to try for that platform. I think it's great to, to find your way doing it that way, but I think it's so easy to just get stuck in the minutia of it all and like see what everyone else is doing and feel like you need to pick up the same things and you need to you know source specifically for this platform and you know you need to focus on all vintage because that's what everyone's talking about vintage like you know I'm pretty good at like staying in my lane and knowing what works for me do I dabble and try different things yeah because it's fun right I enjoy doing that but if well, it's I- fun and you never know what's gonna stick right you may try something that really works for you it like luxury you know what I mean? You're saying it wasn't on your radar this time last year. And now it's something you really like. And I am, you know, I say I'm like a broken record. If you love something, go towards that. You know, if you love luxury and you don't know a lot about it, but you're willing to put in the time and the energy and the research, you're probably going to be successful with it because you love it. Like you could tell me I can make a million dollars selling old electronics yeah, I'm never going to do I, it. <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't pay me enough. Like I, I look at the people at the bins who are like all excited and they get their electronics and they're over in like the testing corner, like plugging things in and they have printers and they have lamps and like, Oh God bless you. You know, yeah. like I could just, I know. I, it doesn't matter because it's not of interest to me. So I do think if there is something you love, 
and you're willing to put in the time, it's really exciting because you could really take off with something just because you're interested in it. Yeah, I agree. And, and I guess we can segue into, um, you know, Lori and I were trying to think of different brands that we weren't picking up before and we are picking up now, maybe brands that um, we would have said never in a million years would we ever pick it up because it just sits and sits and sits, right? And one of the first things that came to mind when Lori and I were discussing this is, and I feel like, you know, broken record, always talking about jeans, but jeans are something that just sell really well in general. And, and now more than ever, I feel like brand doesn't necessarily matter when it comes to jeans because of all the trends that we're seeing out there. Like, does brand still have a mm -hmm. place in jeans? Yeah, of course it does. Like brand will always have a place in any category, but I feel with like this big movement of wearing straight leg, wide leg, bell bottoms, Y2K, like there's so many components now in just the jean category that brand doesn't always necessarily matter. Like I have a pair of Lee jeans that are straight leg mom jean style, like probably from the early 90s, early to mid 90s. And I'm looking at comps because I don't know. I, this is not a right. brand I would pick up, right? But I got on 50% off day. Right. Some are selling for $40, $50. Like it's mind boggling to me because it's not something that I would associate with that price point. But this is where like understanding some of the trends that are out there and I mean, you don't have to live by them, but this is what people are buying. People kind of want that 90s label. So it's like finding that balance, which as a veteran reseller can be hard because you get stuck in your ways, right? Like there's just certain brands that you're like, right, right. No, I'm trying, I'm looking as you're talking, because I, I swear that I sold a pair of vintage Lees for like $45, yeah. but I had a pair of, of chick or chic. I used to call them chick jeans when I was a little kid, Yeah, yeah, I know but it's C-H-I-C. Yeah. Um, and they were, they were the same, like just ultra high waist, the baggy and um, yeah, you're right. And, and I, I feel like jeans we talked about, I don't, and, and again, now I forget if I talked about it on clubhouse, YouTube, yeah. or the I don't podcast. know where we talked about it. Like, I don't even, <laughs> I don't know where I said this, but, um, I feel like fashion is at a crossroads right now. I feel like we're in the midst of a lot of change and I'm like shopping with caution because I, I it just feels like things are changing very fast. Yes. And at a pace where I don't understand, like, People are saying skinny jeans are out, right? Like for me, skinny jeans will never be out because it's just a personal preference of mine. I love skinny jeans. I like the way they look on my body and I like the way they feel on my body. But I'm noticing that the ones that I'm listing are selling really fast. And some of my straight leg jeans are not moving as fast. So is it a clientele thing? Like this is the forever discussion that any reseller has in their head. Like, is it just the people that yeah. shop in my closet? Is it the way that I'm listing items? Like, what is it? But I mean, honestly, I think that is exactly what we were just talking about. Like, yes, it's a trend mm -hmm. that um, in, in like, because somebody on TikTok said that skinny jeans are out. Yeah. I, I'm not somebody. I mean, I know it's, it's, it's really like That's building right. momentum. I'm trying to, it. you know, get Eminem out of the game on TikTok and I'm not okay with that. Leave Eminem alone. You TikTokers. What? You're trying to cancel Eminem, the rapper. Yeah. My boy, I love Eminem. Oh, right, Why? thank you. I don't because he's because he's so foul mouthed and yeah, controversial. I mean, I'm, there's probably a million reasons why he people want to cancel him, but he'll never be canceled in my two book. trailer park girls go round the yeah. outside, round <laughs> the outside, round the outside. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. I love Eminem. Yeah, don't I cancel know. him. Yeah. Um. <laughs> anyways, we were saying, but this is just it. Like you can chase your tail and say, oh my gosh, I got to get all wide legs in my thing and screw the skinny jeans. 
And then you're going to sit on the wide legs because maybe you don't love them or maybe your clientele doesn't love them. But that's exactly what we were talking about. Like, do you run out and buy everything in this particular style and abandon? I mean, I'm slowing down on skinny jeans, but I just, I bought two last week at, um, savers because they were 450 and one pair was frame and one pair was made well. So $4.50 for those brands in a skinny jean, I'm going to get them. Mm -hmm. I'm managing my expectations. I used to think I could get $75 for frame jeans and these made wells were an older style. Um, so they were like an eight inch rise. They weren't a 10 inch rise. So I'm, I will pick them up knowing they're going to be more like a $30 sale and not a $50, $60 sale. So that is one thing that even if I'm still picking up older styles, I'm managing my, I know what I'm getting myself into on certain brands, as opposed to like thinking they're going to be phenomenal and then they sit and then I'm disappointed, or I don't take those lower offers because I think they should be selling for more. And I'm paying closer attention to comps lately too, because I've, you know, there are just too many times that I see something or I'll purchase something and the comps for the listings are say 75 to a hundred dollars. And then I look in the solds and the solds are like, you know, 30 to $45. And there's just this really big gap in between. So instead of listing it for 75 or hundred, maybe I'll list it for 50 or 60, knowing that the comps are a little bit lower. So I'm, I just, just as a way to make my sell through rate, maybe a little bit faster instead of, you know, I'm still on the higher end, but I'm not like crazy high. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, going off of brands, we had discussed in that episode about American Eagle. Right. And I think now more than ever, I'm looking at American Eagle in a different way. I'm looking at brands like Abercrombie and Fitch and, and Hollister in a different way. Um, brands I probably would have never mentioned last year as like something that I would pick up. Um, I am because of style, or I'm just noticing that those brands are doing better on platforms. That's another thing too. I think it's important to mention is when you're on Poshmark, right. And you're, and you have a few minutes that you're not listing or anything, just go into a category and see what's, what's just sold in that category, go to Justin and hit sold and see what's just sold. And it gives you a good idea mm-hmm. what people are looking for on the plat on the Poshmark platform. Anyway, I'm sure you could do it on eBay as well, but Poshmark is what Lori and I are more familiar with and more comfortable with. Um, it's fascinating to see what people are buying. And I think as a reseller, you become a little surprised because the brands that you're seeing are brands you typically don't pick up like the old Navy, like the Talbots, like the forever 21, right? Like you're only really getting those if your cost of goods is low. Um, but a lot of that is what's selling. So mm-hmm. it makes you think yeah. twice about what you're I, doing. I've even learned a lot just from listing. I only have a hundred items on Mercari because you can only list a hundred at first and then they don't yeah. let you list anymore until you sell. Yeah. So I'm like, so right away, I'm like, I'm probably priced too high for Mercari because a lot of my stuff is sitting. I've only sold four items over there, but I'm fascinated by the view feature because mm-hmm. you can see how many views you've had, which you've always had on eBay, but on Mercari, I feel like Mercari is like a newer, you know, maybe, I don't know. Is it a younger app? Like are younger people on Mercari? Yeah. I, I don't really know much about mix. it, but I think it's a mix, but you definitely have um, people that are on a budget on that app more so than I like more so than Poshmark okay. because Poshmark has a wide audience. Macari, I feel like I would agree have a budget for certain things that they're looking for and that's how they're searching for items. 
Hmm. Well, like I'm fascinated that I have like a Victoria's Secret pink zip up hoodie and it has something like 56 views. And I listed it like two days ago. 56 views doesn't seem like a lot, but um, I, I don't know, That's like Victoria's Secret <laughs> pink, the That's North me. face. It, it's, I mean, it's not like 56 likes, it's just 56 yeah, views, but, still, but people are looking at it. It's been, it's been really interesting over there too, to see what is popular. So yeah, there's, you really can go down a rabbit hole and you can, you can talk yourself into circles to try to figure out what is the best, but I feel like the best way to learn is to just dig in and to, you know, go through your house, grab some stuff from your house. If you're just starting out or, or do, do your research, like you said, look and see what is selling Um, because you can be hypothetical about brands all day long. And until you actually try a few, you're never going to know. And make the mistakes that we're all afraid to make that we have both made plenty of times on items and brands and styles and everything. And we'll continue to make. And we'll continue, right. No matter how good we think we're getting, I will still pick up an item that's flawed and not realize it until I'm photographing it. And then I'm like, well, why did I get this? It's got a hole under the arm. Why did I even bother? You know, um, I'll never forget a few weeks ago. I just wasn't, I was in a rush and I was sourcing. Never be in a rush when you're sourcing. Like it's the worst thing. Mm. Um, and Unless you I, can return your items. Right. Well, I could with these, thankfully. And I picked up a pair of Madewell jeans. I just saw Madewell and literally just grabbed it and didn't like think twice to look it over really because the front of it looked good. But when I got home and I turned the jean around, there was a huge hole like in between the legs going up the butt. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like pay attention. Oh you my know? gosh. And I oh my gosh. It. I, it's so easy to miss stuff. It is. It is. But you know, whatever we digress on that. But yeah, I think in general, I am not focusing as much on um, brand when it comes to jeans. I'm definitely trying to be a little more fun with it. Like if I can get things at lower cost of goods and it's items that seem to be doing well for me and my closet and things that are, you know, trending, you know, I hate using that word, but it's true. Things that are trending. Well, no, I mean, you want to pay attention to the trends, yeah. but you know, it's, I think it's more just about the balance. Yeah. Like, like trying some stuff out, but not abandoning your skinny jeans. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And then you run into situations. So like a situation I'm in right now where I'm listing, I have done so well this week. I have listed five to 10 items every single day since Sunday of last week to today. I've done so well. I have not had a sale all week long and it's making me question Mm -hmm. all of my decisions that I have made. You know what I mean? Like you have these moments in your reselling career where you are just like, all right, was, is it the items that I'm getting? Is it just the platform itself? Yeah. Is it the pricing? Is it the stuff I'm sourcing? What is it? Like, these are just questions that I think everyone has all the time. And you have a week like I'm having where I'm not selling. I sold two things on eBay, but like Poshmark's my main way of making money because that's where most of my sales come mm-hmm. from. Even though I'm I'm doing equal amount of work on both platforms. Well, I'm sure I'm doing more work on Poshmark than I am eBay, but and I'm not seeing the reward right away. Like this is where I start to reevaluate all the things that I'm doing in my business. Do you, you know? think it's because are you listing things high or what is, what's yeah, different? I think it's a combination of things. I think I'm not listing as much stuff that probably sells quickly because I'm being so more like so particular in what I'm sourcing now because I don't want to have as much inventory. I think that's the first thing. And the second thing is I deleted so many items 
um, out of my closet. I've deleted over 200 items in the last month. So I'm sure that plays a part into it because I don't have as much available. This happened to you last year too. Yeah. Right? When I got rid of all my real, real stuff. Yes. That happened to me last year as well. So it's like, it definitely plays a part into it. And I know these factors exist, but it really makes me question the things that I'm getting, thinking that I'm doing something wrong. And then I go into, okay, I'm not sourcing at all until I start making some sales. So I didn't source all of last week. I'm probably not going to source this week. Um, until I start making some money, because I think that we can all fall into this rabbit hole of um, sourcing, 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 spending the money, and then maybe not necessarily making the money that we need back into the business, because we're just in this constant mm -hmm. like shopping cycle. Does that make yeah. sense? You? Almost like, I don't want to You know what I want to point out to you? And this is a compliment to you. I noticed like my sales on Poshmark are dipping a little bit. And I'm getting like, I was a little down on myself, like probably down like 15, 20%. Mm. But then my eBay was up like 341%. So you may be discouraged by what's happening on Poshmark, yeah. but we're talking about multiple streams of income. So I think we have to stop looking at just Poshmark now that we're on eBay, Mercari, the real, real flip Facebook marketplace. Cause you're your uh real real payout is probably phenomenal last yeah. month well or at least it's going to make up for maybe what you're lacking in Poshmark. Right. you know what i mean so, so i think once you're going multi-platform yeah that's going to happen it definitely plays a part into it so for february my payout's awful because i didn't thrift i didn't send anything right so my february payout isn't great but my march payout if everything continues as is is already surpassed what my february was what I'm going to get on the 15th of this month. Right. And it's March 7th. Right. So like, I'm already past that because I've been sending in boxes now because I started sourcing a little bit. And so I've sent things off, but um, yeah, generally whatever I'm making on the real, real compensates me for whatever I have it made on the other platforms. I will also say um, last year, I was really only on Poshmark as were you. Like, I think we talked about eBay, but it wasn't like we weren't really doing it right like we were basically poshmark yeah. and that's it so a lot of things we talked about in those episodes were geared towards just poshmark buyers um and selling on that platform where now i think we know we can have a wider audience and we're you know we're picking up different things that way but i will say on ebay i can sell a pair of I don't know, Sorel boots, for example, 400, 120, 150, depending on the style, where on Poshmark, I'm probably getting offers for 60, 70, or 80. You know what I mean? Like, they're, I'm definitely getting- My Joan of Arctic Sorel boots have sat all winter. I don't know if I cross-posted those. Like, I haven't cross-posted everything yet. Yeah. I need to target cross-post. But yeah, what is up with Sorel and Poshmark? I don't know, but Sorel and Poshmark just don't go together anymore, which is so sad, because I felt like last year- that was the place to put it, or even in 2019. But I feel like now it just doesn't move. But if I put it on eBay, so I had a pair of Sorel boots that I found a couple weeks ago for 50% off. I put them on Poshmark first, and the next day I put them on eBay. They sold on eBay the same day, the same day for full asking price. And it was like, all right. And I had no likes on Poshmark. I had nothing, no interest. And yes, it was only 24 hours time. So interesting. When something's hot, you'll get the likes immediately on Poshmark. Like people would, will immediately start liking and sharing and all of that it wasn't happening. Um, I can say the same about Victoria's Secret Pink on Poshmark. That's a brand that people start liking and sharing really fast. American Eagle is a brand that people start liking and sharing fast. Um, certain Madewell pieces, same thing. People will like and share that quickly. 
then you have the typical brands like Rothy's where people like instantly want to buy them from you, right? Like it's, that's just a right, right. You know, that's just how it is. Um, but on eBay, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know eBay's buyers enough, I guess, where I just list things and then things sell right away. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess this is an eBay item. I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm just so used to Poshmark and um, I need to be- Right, but these are things we're learning now. So now yeah. maybe when you're sourcing, you're going to source Sorel specifically for eBay. And, you know, it, it could still maybe sell on um, Poshmark, yeah. but and, and, and this gets back to how our businesses are evolving and, and the choices that we're making going forward. And this time next year, we'll probably have that much more information about eBay. And we'll really know like our hot sellers on eBay. Um, I have a brand this month that really surprised me that I talk about in my last video. And that is Eileen Fisher. Um, I sold 10 Eileen Fisher pieces in the month of February. Wow. 10 Daniela, which is to me crazy because yes. I have Eileen Fisher stuff that sits forever. I want to say I sold four on Poshmark and six on eBay, but one of them was like this linen dress that I got at the bins in Maine, like the last time I went shopping before I got COVID. Um, I almost, I mean, I say I almost didn't pick it up. I was going to pick it up. I was at the bins, but it was a light blue, almost like window pane textured midi dress. Like not my, not yeah. my style, but it was, it was linen and it was Eileen Fisher in great condition. It was an extra large. So like, those are all the things, right? Bins, Eileen, extra large. Um, so I'm like, oh, I'll get it. I was like kind of dreading taking the long picture of this dress and whatever. Yeah. Everyone um, photographing maxis. I know. So um, anyways, I listed it sold, um, sold in a day or two on eBay, full asking price, $65, $65. I was like, good Lord, like I almost didn't want to buy you. And yeah, like I had these gladiator shoes that sold for $40 on eBay and just like 10 items, 10 items, Eileen Fisher. I'm going to keep buying her, (laughs) you know, like even basic stuff sold, like just a basic scoop neck army green shirt, 25 bucks on eBay. Um, I mean, on Poshmark. So that was a brand that really, really, really surprised me this month. And I think I amped up my purchasing of Eileen Fisher for eBay specifically. And she does do better for me on eBay, but she was still selling over on Poshmark. And I do pass on a lot of Eileen Fisher. Mm-hmm. I feel like I find it a lot around here. Um, I agree. But I mean, I, I don't know. That was like a mystery to me. So I, I'm going to keep on going on with, I'm going to ride the wave with Eileen. And then Absolutely. you wonder like, well, maybe because I have a fair amount of selection of Eileen Fisher, maybe people would recognize my closet or I I don't shop. I don't necessarily bookmark people's closets. That's not my style. When I shop, I mean, I'll be in someone's closet and be like, wow, this is a beautiful closet. They have such great selection, but I'm usually just looking for specific things. And I, and I end up someplace. So I don't really follow people's closets. So um, I don't know. I don't know why that's so good. A brand that two brands. Well, why don't you talk about a Bolo brand of yours that like has maybe surprised you or something that, you know, is an automatic. Um, let me think. I can think of a brand that's not, that I'm not really picking up anymore, but let me think of one that I can't. Okay. So a brand that I am, um, picking up that's automatic for me would be, and some people don't like it, but I don't really care. Um, I'm going to pick up Everlane no matter what. No matter what. Right. And, and I know some people disagree. Everlane's hung. But. Well, but I mean, it doesn't matter if people disagree. Yeah, I mean, I'm this is it. like, we're just sharing our experiences. Mm-hmm. We're not saying like, you should be picking this up. Like, yeah. no, I mean, 
I personally love Everlane, um, but I think because their style is so basic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If it is a basic piece, it can sit for a while. Like I have a couple Everlane teas that, you know, it's almost like a Madewell plain tea. Like, ah, uh, I'm like, I should just wear this. You know, this isn't yeah. going anywhere. Um, but then I feel like their shoes do very well and you do well with it. And again, you have a lot of selection for Everlane. So, and it's like, it's a company you can kind of get behind. It's a, it's a good company too. Like I still, I still get excited if I see it, you know, I actually have a sweater that I bought and I was going to keep and um, it's like Navy blue and I'm going to do it in my next Boston release because I'm doing seaport district is going to be like my theme and they have an Everlane store in the seaport district that I always shop at. So it's, and it's blue and the water and seaport. So I'm like waiting to release it on my website. Um, but I've been so excited about it. Like when I found it, I was like, Oh, I forgot I had this. I love Everlane, you know, but it, sometimes it sits for me. It can sit, but I feel like it, for me, I, I don't know, maybe I just have the right clients for, you know, the right customer base for Everlane, but that's a brand I, I just, I can't, I can't say no to, and I have a really hard time. Um, but a brand that I am going to say not a bolo anymore for me, or that as soon as I see it, I want to run and that's Vince. And I love <laughs> Vince pieces. I love mm. them. unless they're Vince leather pants right? Like unless it is Vince leather pants or something leather based for Vince, I'm not getting it. It's just not worth it. I don't even know where my head is at for like Vince in theory right now. I kind of put them in the same bucket. I can't with theory. Right? Like both really, I'm going to look in my closet right now because I tend to speak emotionally and then like totally be lying. So let me see. Vince... And what else are we looking at? Theory. I just want to see how many items are like unbought in my closet. And I want to look at them and say, oh God, you've been around forever. Um, yeah, I mean, I have four, eight, nine, ten pieces that are unsold. And I have two, six, 10, 12 pieces that have sold in my Poshmark career. But one pair of my Theory Leather Accent Riding Pants, I have them. They haven't moved. Um, I have them listed for $85. See, that's the problem right there. A year ago, I would have thought that I would have, like, that would have been a good price. Right. They're definitely worth that. They The price tag on them was probably $300. But realistically, I should probably drop these pants to 50 bucks and see what happens. Or you could cross listen to trade. right. What would you what would you price theory leather accent riding pants at? Basically, where you have them right now, I think I'd have them listed between seventy five mm. and eighty five dollars too. But I would cross list them to eBay and Tradesy. That's the difference. I think Tradesy has a market for that, where Poshmark may not. Really? Mm. But Tradesy's tough too because now this isn't. You don't do much at anything. You don't do anything in Tradesy. You list it and then you forget it. 
And then when someone yeah. happens to be searching, they find it. You know what I mean? It's, I don't know. It's catch 22. Or yep. you can send them into thread up and try to make money there, you know? Yeah. It, I don't I know. I think I saw the theory dress on at thread up. I sent in, it was just like something that I had and I just had never listed it. And I can't remember what they priced it at, but I changed the price on it and it sold and it was like a $19 payout, which wasn't bad for, um, I sold a couple silk blouses over on thread up. Maybe that's the place to send it. Maybe it is, but we don't have labels, but we can't get labels. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. But So two brands that are not going to surprise anybody that I'm not picking up anymore, but they're like a hard pass where this time last year, they were like a, well, <laughs> Torrid and LuLaRoe. Mm. Torrid is the one that really frustrates me because I have had some, this is my theory on Torrid or, or my experience on Torrid. They get a ton of attention and nobody uh, pulls the trigger up. I know. So I have, and it's have super theory. frustrating because I don't price it high. I sold, I sold a piece today mm. for $18. It was like, just like a A-line blouse. Very simple. It's been listed for 455 days. And I had it priced at $24 and I took an $18 offer this morning, but like, it's not like I price it high. Yeah. So I was going to say a lot of Torrid, Torrid in general discounts a lot for their buyers. So something will go on clearance and it'll get marked down to like 80% off, but Mm. some of the pieces can retail for quite a bit. Like, I mean, I just know from experience too, from shopping there when I was younger and stuff, I mean, their jeans are expensive. Their dresses are expensive. It's not like it's a, you know, it's definitely like a mid-tier type plus size line. Um, But yeah, for whatever reason, the resale isn't great. And I don't know why. I don't know why. I went through a little stint this time last year. I think it was about, I think it was like the winter, you know, before COVID obviously. So maybe it was like, uh, you know, December ish, January. Um, and I had found like a little stack of torrid jeans. Um, and they were like shredded and distressed when that was huge at, um, the bins. And I was so excited. And I want to say like two of the pairs sold really quickly. And then that got me excited about torrid. And then that happens. Like if you have good luck with something and then you pick it up and then stuff sits, but the other thing you got to be careful about with Torrid is they do start like a size 10, 12, like they're yeah. size one, right? Size zero. That is the size I would stay away from. They have double zero. Oh, zero one. Now. Yeah. So like if you get in, really? They have double zero now. Yeah. I just think it's a tough market because I think if you're, a, if you're a double zero, then you're really like a size 10 and then you can shop anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's not necessarily like a plus size. Like, I feel like, I think, I think the stuff that does well at for Torrid for me are like the novelty prints, like something that has like some sort of a graphic on it. Right. And that is like even a larger size, like a two X and above. Um, but my, I don't know about your savers in Rhode Island, but we price our savers high. We price Torrid high at my savers, yeah, like eight forty nine for a top. Yeah. So maybe that's like why, because I shop at savers so much. I'm just not getting it. This, the jeans are easily $16.99, $19.99 for jeans. Easy. Yeah. That's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. You can buy them brand new on clearance at the store for that price. Why would you ever pay that? Mm. That's a different discussion. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's a discussion for another day. Yeah. I think um, I, it's interesting because 
maybe people are listening to like, oh, Torrid sells, sells really well for me. That's great. It's awesome. I mean, but for us, it just doesn't. That's the other thing too about reselling. Inventory is so different for everyone. And what sells well for me does not sell well for 100%. Just in, even for luxury, I don't pick up every luxury piece that I find either. I am extremely picky about what I'm picking up for luxury just because it's Gucci, just because it's Prada, just because it's whatever doesn't mean it's going to sell. And -hmm. doesn't mean the resale value is high either. This can be translated into any market, whether it's electronics, luxury, really doesn't matter. There's a lot of luxury pieces that I leave because they're just so dated that you can't give them away. That even mm. platforms like the Real Real or Fashion File or Rebag aren't even going to accept because mm. just, there's just no market for it. And if they do accept it, you're not going to get a lot of money for it. So at that point, me as a as a reseller, I have to reevaluate. And I'm like, but is it really worth it for me to spend $9.99 on this pair of shoes when I know they're probably going to get listed for $100, $150? Like, is it really worth it? I don't know. Like, do I list it myself and then hope I get 50 bucks out of it? Like, and where I am right now, my journey, it's not worth it for me. And I just say no, and I move on yeah. and someone else will be thrilled to find those shoes. But for me, it's right. not a part of my business model. Well, and you have the experience on the real, real now. Like, I feel like, you know, you can eyeball something and you'll know what your payout is about. You know, like I was listening to your conversation with Denali on, um, I think it was your live you did with her. I like watched it and fell asleep. So I watched half of it. I was watching it very late at night, but I think that's where you guys were talking, or maybe it was your it interview was the podcast, with Denali. One or the other. <laughs> like I said, the, the, the platforms blend now, but you were talking about how pants, you know, you can count on a $16 payout. And where do you get that number? So that's just from experience of selling on there. So no matter what, if you're going to send in current Elliot frame, um, current Elliot frame, rag and bone, we'll say those three brands of jeans, no matter what, they're going to get priced at $50 and you're going to get a, a, four, a $16 payout because you only get 40%. Everyone gets 40% on that brand. It doesn't matter doesn't matter. None of that matters. You're only going to get 40% on those jeans, period. But I found that to be very helpful. Like when I was just listening to you guys, I was like, okay, well, now if I see it for two bucks and I can just throw it in a box, I know that I'll profit 14. So, you know, if I don't want to sell it myself, it's 16, but it doesn't matter. No, I just, no, I'm saying if I paid two, you said 16. I said, if I paid two, I would profit 14. Yeah. But then when I look at it that way, I'm like, well, then do I just price frame at 30 bucks and then I make $24 instead of 16? Like if, if it sells for $30 on Poshmark well, and that, that, that's before. a debate too. We've had this discussion mm-hmm. and I tell Lori, don't list it because you got to put the time into it to list it. You have to photograph it. You have to steam it, whatever you're doing, you got to measure it. You got to store it. And then it's got to sell and it's either going to sell fast or it's going to sit for 400 days. Right. You have to make the decision. Maybe you have a time limit. Okay. When it hits 60 days, I'm no longer going to have it in my closet. And that's when I get rid of it. And that's typically what I do. Like when it hits, but now I have brands I just automatically send because I've learned that. But before that's what I did. Right. That's the beauty. I don't, I don't, I'm still flailing when it comes to. I just see a fish. The real, real. (laughs) I'm just like, yes, I'm flapping around. Okay. I have a quick bolo because. I just sold something, Um, but this is something that sold for me before. It just came through on eBay. Um, Vintage Franklin Covey leather binders. This is the third one that I've sold. I picked, 
I swear to God, like, I don't know why I, I think I stumbled upon one at the mm-hmm. bins and it was like the classic zip around or binder, Franklin Covey, like you take all the inserts out, but people still like their day planners. Um, this is the third one I've sold. I sold a, like an, a dark green one and they're always like 30, $40. Right. So this one that I got, it was red leather and it almost looked like it had these retractable handles that come out and it almost looks like a mini briefcase. So like the size oh. of an iPad, like a large iPad, yeah, yeah. red leather. I took all the inserts out from like 94. I paid four or $5 at Savers and it just sold for full price for $49.99 That's on eBay. Amazing. I've never sold it on Poshmark, but I don't sell books and stuff. But if you ever find vintage Franklin Covey, Franklin pick Covey, it up. I'm writing this down, Franklin Covey. Right. Yeah, that was like, you're probably too young. Do you know the brand? It was a like, it has, um, all right. So when I was younger, maybe I do had, um, the name. Well, Franklin Covey, when I was like in my 20s, I would say. So like 25 years ago, say, um, I'm trying to think of the store. There was a Franklin Covey store at the John Hancock building in downtown Boston, like okay. at the Prudential Center. Yep, yep. And you could go in and, you know, you would buy the inserts, you would buy the leather binder, which would, was very expensive. And then you had all these, it was like a whole system and people oh. really bought into it. And obviously people are still using the system. Um, but anyways, that that's a vintage bowl. So, and again, this is, comes with experience, right? You stumble upon something, you have luck with it. You try it again. Okay. This is still working. So now I know every time I see a Franklin Covey leather piece that's in good shape, I buy it. Right. And it's an automatic, put it on eBay. I know I'm going to get at least $30 for it kind of thing. So that's exactly, all. it may not sell overnight, but that's enough. Right. That's, that's not bad. I have a new brand that sold for me that I'd never, ever heard of and found it at the bin. It was another full price sale. I can't remember if it was eBay or Poshmark, but um, it's a men's brand. And it is, I wrote it down because it was the only like new to me brand that I had to share. Alan Flusser, Flusser, F-L-U-S-S-E-R. You never heard of it. Brands. It almost looked it looked like a Robert Graham. Oh, okay. Style shirt. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, I saw one, it had Paisley's all over it. And then I picked it up at the bins. And then like a week later, I saw one at Savers for like three bucks. So I, I picked that one up. I'm like, well, I remember running the comps at the bins and the, the striped one, I believe sold for $45 full asking price. I think they're like custom shirts. And um, so I'd never, ever heard of that brand before. And Sometimes, you know, dress shirts for men, you know, like if you find Untuck It or certain brands can be good. So that was, that's my only brand that I thought of um, for this segment. That was a new to me brand that sold fast for good money. So I have a brand that I was giving up on last year and I swore I would never pick it up again. And that's Frank and Eileen. Um, But I recently found one and I listed it for 60. I listed it high, but I sold it for $50. Which is crazy really because I couldn't move never. I don't think I've ever sold it. Fifty dollars. I sold it for. Where is it sold? Frank and Eileen. Um, I don't know to be honest with you. Hold on, let me look it up. It's very like okay. anything I've ever bought from them is like a button-up pinstripe, like very almost uniform style shirt. Frank and Eileen. Let's see. Frank and Eileen. Well, that's Franklin. That's not the name Frank and Eileen um I don't know if they're actually I don't know if they're sold anywhere if it's only online okay yeah because I don't see shop it looks like it's only online 
Frank and Eileen was born in 2009 when former engineer Audrey McLaughlin sought to reinvent the button up for women, a category previously. Hey, there you go. Men. Yeah. So it's inspired by her Irish grandparents. So it's a women owned business here for it. Headquarters are in California. So yeah, they focus on button ups, which that's typically what I've found by them. And I was just surprised because last year I couldn't sell it at all. No matter what I did, I was lucky if I moved it for $30 and then I sold one. Maybe it's because people are starting to go back into the office. That's possible as well. And, yeah. You know, someone really likes the brand. They saw it $50 and they they grabbed it. So on eBay, you said? Sold on Poshmark, which was the oh, other surprising Poshmark. thing. Yeah. yeah. No, it's so interesting. I feel like I've been on and off of Weight Watchers my whole life, but my very favorite Weight Watchers leader, we would go in and all we would do is talk about food. Like we, you know, you had the ones that were like, well, why do you think you ate that brownie? And other ones that were like, you know, you should exercise, you should do this. My favorite lady, we just talked about recipes and food the whole time. And that reminds me of this conversation. Like we're we're just talking about brands. Like this is so much fun. Like not about anything else. Like let's just well, talk I about think, the fun stuff. I think this is why we ended up making the behind the sourcing court curtain two episodes is because we could have kept going for eight hours talking about it, which we might end up doing for next week too. Maybe we'll continue this conversation next week and dive a little bit deeper. And I had this crazy idea that maybe we can do next week when we have more time and listen to one of the episodes and like reflect on what we actually said and have that discussion and like pause it and like listen and pause kind of thing. Cause I think it'd be interesting. We probably laugh at ourselves a hundred times because we were newbies. Right. I know. And now it's just I know. so different when we talk on here, everything is so different, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's just a conversation and go on forever, especially when it's something that you enjoy. Exactly. And like we find different things and we sell different things. So like I've never bought Frank and Eileen and now I'll have to be on the lookout for that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to talk about what works. And, you know, every time you make a sale, you get, you get that feeling like it sucks you back in. You know, mm-hmm. I remember my first sale. I sold a pair of Burberry clogs, my very first sale on, um, Poshmark. And I found them for $5 at a Savers in New Hampshire. And it was my first listing and they sold really fast and like instantly, like the adrenaline rush when they sold, I was just so hooked. I was like, oh my gosh, we need to rinse and repeat this process many times. A <laughs> hundred times over and flash forward to present day, 13, yeah, you know, hundred exactly. items in here we are. <laughs> Jeez, God help me. Um, one thing that I've been on the lookout for lately is vintage coach. Like, and I don't think this time last year, I was kind of like coach. I was done with coach. Like I just, I feel like when I was, you know, go back like 20 years, like I, I don't love the coach of the nineties and Y2K coach, but now all the old stuff is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice to see it coming back because that's when I fell in love with coach with, um, you know, the, what coach was known for. And it's so much fun to see it, their leather goods, see it making a comeback in their pieces being so beautiful. And um, I want to just give a shout out to my friend, Renee. Um, I think her Instagram handle is fashion thrifter, 2018. She's a hot ticket. She's one of my moderators. She's my co-host. Um, yeah, one of my co-hosts. You're talking about, but I don't know what her thing is. You say fashion thrifter. Let me look. Cause she's not on YouTube or anything. So I want to make sure I, um, fashion thrifter give the right thing. Well, anyway, she, yeah, that's her. Yeah. Yep, okay. Fashion thrifter, 2018. She is a hot ticket and she 
has been doing like a series on restoring vintage coach bags. And it is fascinating. Like she, she gives them all a name and she says this one was born on and she tells you how to read the label, what the letters mean, all the different, she does a whole series on um, restoring them, giving them baths, having them dry out. Her collection is absolutely gorgeous. And she talks about it all the time. So I've been like, re I've gotten excited again about coach, just like seeing her enthusiasm for it. So that's been really fun. And just in general, I think coach is making a huge comeback right now. I agree. I get really excited for Michael Kors leather goods. And um, it's because they actually sell really well. If you find a really great leather tote bag by Michael Kors, Michael Kors still has a really big following. It's everywhere. And it's like one of those brands that I think um, people introduce, like just like Coach, right? Younger generations get introduced to it at a young age, Michael Kors and Coach. Those are like the two that I was introduced to, right? Coach first, then Michael Kors. But mm-hmm. um, there's still a, a big following for it. And retail, they're a lot of money. A Michael Kors, like a big Michael Kors tote yeah. bag can retail $450. And if I can find yep. one at the store for $10, $14, and I can resell it for 100 or 80 even 60, you know, like it's, it's worth yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't see, I, when I see a nice Michael Kors piece, I appreciate it, but I find a lot of the signature Michael Kors stuff, like the signature coach with the monogram all over it. And yeah. I, I'm not crazy about that. Yeah, no, but, I don't um, monogram, no to monogram, not a fan, but leather. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was I just going to say? It had something to contribute. Oh, guess what I sold today? What? A Bagalini bag. Did you really? You were going <laughs> to give up on Bagalini. <laughs> Bagalini I'm still no not more. running to the store to buy them, but I, I sold one for 20 bucks today on hey, eBay. There you go. And I, have I haven't Bagalini. sold one in so long. I know. And you, you you were just talking about this too. You were like, Bagalini's not moving for me. Was it nope. Kipling? Kipling too isn't really moving. Um, but because people aren't really traveling and stuff too. So like that plays a big part into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of last year, like you have to look at it and understand the climate of what was going on. This, I guess, is every year, right? It really doesn't matter. Right. And this year, maybe I don't know how much different it's going to be. I mean, we're seeing in general, most of the fashion trends are still comfy, cozy, big, baggy, wonderful items, right? Like nothing is really formal or I mean there's still some fitted pieces that obviously exist because people still wear them but for the most part you're not seeing a lot of stuff about travel and all of that so I feel like we are going to be ripe for a huge resurgence of dressing up Mm -hmm. because people are just once they get back out and they they lose their quarantine 15 and they're feeling good about stuff and they're going to parties again um, I feel like it's coming I'm thinking you know, spring is in the air now and summer's around the corner. My mom and dad are getting vaccinated this week. I'm so excited for them. My in-laws got vaccinated last week, their first round. So um, we decided we are going to go to Pennsylvania to see the kids. We're meeting halfway for Ooh. Easter and we're going to just like stay in a townhouse Airbnb. So we're not really going to spend a lot of time with our family. And as you know, for Easter, it's like a big Italian yeah. holiday and huge. So but we're thinking like spring, everybody's going to be healthy. We're going to be outside cookouts. And I think that's when we're going to start seeing this stuff come back. Like, yeah. what do you want, baby? A little lucky. He just wants a little lucky. 
I think he wants to jump up here and his back legs are just junk. The poor thing. He can't get Oldie. up here. Oldie. Well, anyways, it is 821, Daniela. I know. We got to watch Megan and Harry. You just got to rewind to the start. Let's continue this conversation yes. next week, Lori. I think this is a good conversation. And I think if we listen to episodes, we'll have even more to contribute and talk about. That'll be really fun. It's always fun to talk about brands. It's always fun and things are always changing. So I would encourage, sorry, lucky. I'm almost done. Lovey. Um, I would encourage anybody who's listening right now to maybe send us some information, like maybe give us some brands you want us to discuss, or um, maybe you have a fun bolo to contribute to the conversation that we can share with um, the audience and stuff. So yeah, be a part of it and let us know what you think. Also, we launched our Patreon last week and we just haven't talked about it all episode long. (laughs) Not at all. I know. Thank you so much to everybody who joined our Patreon. We're so excited. I know. I know. We had a goal in mind that we want to hit and we're so close to it already. So this is awesome. Um, Thank you to everyone. If you want to sign up for the Patreon and get extra downloadables, all that fun stuff, the link will be in the show notes. And yeah, we will continue this conversation next week sounds good all right everybody thanks for joining us tonight you have a wonderful week have a good week everyone bye Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. This is just a reminder that Thrifters Villa's Patreon is officially live. You can find us on patreon.com backslash Thrifters Villa. It is just $5 a month where we're going to offer you bonus content, extra episodes, a free downloadable a month, and live events. So make sure to check us out there and we will see you next week.